Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, episode number nine. Bill, how are we doing today? We are doing terrific, Kurt. Yeah, really was, enjoyed uh... the WBC, and now I'm getting ready for opening day. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, it, Personally, I always say if I could go back when I was 18 and write out my life, I would have I would have fallen far short of how amazing it was, my life and how blessed I am. If Major League Baseball could have gone back to December and written a script for the WBC, I don't think anybody on the planet would have written the script that we got to witness. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a feeling I think people listen to the show think that and I think maybe I've come across as being anti WBC in many ways. And, and I, I think I said last time too, as a player, I'm all in, I would love it. It would be the greatest as an owner. I hate it. I hate everything about it. There's nothing beneficial for my team if it happens. Uh, but Shohei Otani facing Mike Trout in the ninth inning of a one run game for the world baseball championship title was I guarantee you Rob Manfred might've been tearing up. He was so excited and happy. Uh, it was, a, it was something to watch. And then my God, the abat itself didn't disappoint. By the way, uh, Japan wins for anybody. Uh, spoiler alert. If you put it on DVD or you, I mean, you taped it um, or recorded it, taped it. Listen, I'm dating myself. Um, but uh and we talked before the tournament. We, you know, I think uh, I was pretty comfortable putting some, prop bets on them uh to win and i did and they paid off um but it was pitching and i you heard rob manford i think anybody if you if you're reading any of the post tournament stuff rob talking about uh the next one uh having better pitching for team usa um i didn't i'll, I'll tell you what surprised me bill i i didn't realize that mike hard mike trout went that all in uh, from a recruiting perspective, it's very clear that he went out and asked. And uh, I, I think also very clear his influence inside the game um, because this is a big deal. Uh, as athletes, we are incredible. One of the things that, that, that binds us is our, we're incredible creatures of habit. And this is anything but normal routine for position players or pitchers. Um, and they had, a, their roster was insane. That was the best lineup in the world. Uh, one to nine Trey Turner's hitting ninth in your lineup. Uh, there's a, there's a certain 2003 Red Sox feel to it. Um, but, uh, I'm proud to say pitching always wins. And well, Japan, and, and yeah. let's, yeah. let's talk about that at bat because yeah. I mean, from a star pitcher standpoint, facing the best hitter in baseball, and he starts him with a slider that's outside. He's down one up. Yeah. Uh, a filthy slide. I didn't realize Otani's slider was that good too. Um, yeah. So he starts him. Uh, I mean, correctly. You're down a run. Uh, you're up a run late in the game. You got a pure, probably the best pure fastball hitter in the world, uh, or one of them at the plate. Uh, you start him off with a, a nasty slider. He patiently takes, um, even though, and if you looked at the bat, I think he was taking all the way on the first pitch. I agree. Um, but he follows it up with a 1-0 fastball at 100 that Mike Trout clearly wasn't looking to hit a single to right with. Um, the swing was, 
it was gargantuan. It was awesome. It was, I'm going to tie the game or I'm going down swinging. And uh, so he gets one, one uh, Otani uh, overthrows the third pitch um, to go two one. And then uh, no, uh, no finesse. The, the, the two fastballs, he go two when he goes fastballs, comes back at a hundred and uh, trout swings, <laughs> again he's trying to hit the ball to japan at that point uh to give it a 2-2 count but it's clear that that both guys are this is bottom of the ninth world series you, the, you bat your dreams i mean it's everything's on the line both guys are are maybe maybe the best pitcher in the world against maybe the best hitter in the world i mean that the, just to say that's very cool um but in the ninth inning of a one-run game we're now at a 2-2 count and uh, the 3-2 count, I, it almost feels like it was a purpose pitch, but it wasn't. It was just a horrible, non-competitive fastball at 102, by the way, that he yanks to go full count, of course. Um, and and the natural is playing in everybody's heads and home run into the light stand with the ex electric explosions is everybody's vision. Uh, and then he busts out what I can only describe as one of the nastiest sliders, not not the 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 I'm not being general and saying wow what a nap. I'm literally talking about the this pitch might have been if you draw up a slider three two slider perfection this was the pitch because it probably gets called strike three if he doesn't swing and he swings through it and it's over and the emotion immediate emotion from Otani made it very very clear to anybody wondering if the players bought in this was uh he this is and again. I think you're talking about a guy who's been uh, on an American team that hasn't won anything. And so this had to be his world series and it was, and it was, it was spectacular. And, and everybody in a Japan uniform, the, the elation was yep. it, amazing. They, like they won, like they won the world series. Right. And in, in a sense, you know um, I, I think the only thing missing uh, to make it a true world series uh, is an American pitching staff. Um, yeah. You know, you put Garrett Cole and, and Kershaw and Verlander and Scherzer there. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. But hats off. Japan won. They deserved to win. They were the best team in the tournament. Um, many, many great stories. Uh, and, oh, by the way, uh, Otani wins the MVP of the tournament, uh, both pitcher and a hitter. Uh, as the, On the all WBC team, he makes the all-star team as a pitcher and a hitter. Same thing he did in big league baseball last year. So I, I think we're talking about, I, well, if you're a fantasy baseball, that's your number one pick. It's not even, a. Uh, there's no close second. Um, but you're talking about a guy who has to now be considered and talked about in the discussion as one of the greatest players that ever played from a value perspective. This is a number one pitcher and a, and a cleanup hitter. And he's the best, just about the best at both. And um the, the post-game on MLB Network, Pedro Martinez yep. was with Otani. And it, he you could tell how yeah. touched he was yes. thanking him for everything that Otani brings to the game. Yeah. Well, and so to be clear, Pedro Martinez, who has got a, a heart way bigger than his size, um, is a very passionate guy, very emotional guy. You didn't want to be on the other end of that in the batter's box, but uh, he was a, a guy you want in your foxhole. Um, 
And that's who he is. And that was genuine. It was heartfelt. Uh, and it wasn't scripted in any capacity. And I, you know, when uh, the guy who represents the greatest pitching uh, run in the history of the game over multi years, which Pedro does um, when compared to eras, talks to you like he talked to Otani. I'm sure Otani was overwhelmed. I mean, he he knows baseball and he knows history and he knows Pedro. And it was just a great moment. Was, everything about this was great for the game. And I, I gotta, I gotta say one more time, because we're getting ready to talk about it very quickly. Not one person anywhere ever that I heard about complained about the pace of the game. Very true. No, no rules were changed. The old school baseball was played and I heard nothing from anyone. Um, so it was a win. It was a grand slam. It was a use whatever euphemism you want is what it was. It was a huge success. Um, I think baseball might have more fans today than, than yesterday. Uh, now I I'm, I'm speaking out of turn maybe, but I believe it was the most viewed baseball game in the history of, of baseball. Professional uh, baseball. In Japan it was. Yeah. Which um, makes it, it probably the largest ever. Anyway. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, the the ratings on Fox were terrific. I believe a four point five, which right. you know that's World Series kind of numbers. Right. At right. This right. Point. Right. And something like thirty two million people in Japan. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, probably the most watched baseball game in history. Um, which, again, uh, I think it bodes well for the next one. I and you heard Trout talk about. He's going to recruit even harder next time and all the things that go with that. And I love the fact that he's thinking, you know, like the Olympics years ahead. Um, there were some stars that came out here, Kurt. There were. Um, I mean, and, and Trey Turner, you talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, it wasn't just Otani for Team Japan, but there were a couple of guys who had, and, and you know, again, from a, from a baseball fan, fantasy baseball perspective, do what it, what do with it, what you will. Uh, I don't put a lot of weight in statistics in spring training, but you know, maybe you draft Trey Turner a little higher after that tournament. Um, he hit what 391, hit five bombs, tied the WBC record, drove in 11. Uh, Red Sox fans, you got to be very, very happy. Uh, seeing Masataka Yoshida drove in 13, hit over 400. Um, who we got else? Uh, Nick Lopez, Nicky Lopez of the Royals, second baseman, almost hit 500. Uh, drove in seven. Uh, a Rosarina for Tampa Bay, who I since he's come up has been something special. Played phenomenal defense. Hit four fifty with a bomb, nine ribbies. Uh, Francisco Lindor four fifty. Uh, so there's the a, a, a small sliver of silver lining for Met fans. Um, and uh, Yu Shang of Taipei, another Red Sox uh, Asian prospect player, hit four thirty eight with two home runs, eight RBIs. Um, you talk Otani fantasy. Through the most yeah. Go ahead. Uh, you you talk fantasy. Yu Chang definitely is on the radar now for the Red Sox. Yeah. He didn't have a position coming in, and you do that in a tournament like that. Yeah. Four thirty eight. Yeah. Two bombs and eight RBIs. It it also it, I I like the insight into the pressure environment it gives you with these players because this was this was postseason play. And all and the players that were playing, it's in their mind. Which again, I'm going to allude back to it. And I know I sound like the grumpy old guy. That's the reason I wouldn't have my pitchers involved because it is these guys are exerting October effort in March, and that's so ridiculously unhealthy. Uh, I think that they're potentially 
I can see them picking the team far, far earlier and having a pre-spring training workup next time for pitchers. Uh, again, as an owner, nope, no chance. Um, as a player, I would buy in all the way, but as an owner, no chance, no chance, because uh, no matter how much you loved it, the Anaheim Angels are no closer to winning a World Series today than they were the day the tournament started. None. Um, except for, and I said it last time, having Otani and Trout in a clubhouse environment like that can do nothing but good things. I, I do like that that ripple effect, and it will. It will. It's a different clubhouse. When you're in a clubhouse where you can't wait to get there and you know you're probably going to win the game that day, mentalities are very different. And I I, I like from a leadership perspective, uh, Trout getting that vision. Not that, you know, I mean, it, and it's not for him because he's doing everything he needs to do. It's for him as a leader in that clubhouse and the organization to see how other guys do it in that sense and to maybe take some stuff back. So, um and I know we, we I touched it briefly, but uh, moving on to uh, the fact that nobody complained about pace of game uh, in the WBC, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball have come out. They're tweaking the rules. Uh, we're going to mention a couple of them. And then at the end, we're going to talk about one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. But uh, the and, and I assumed this would be the case. Um, so as I understand it, uh, first of all, the clock violations are down from 2.03 a game to 1.03. And, you know, that's, we're going to, we're going to talk to a former teammate of mine, Dave Hollins. And one of the things I think you'll probably hear him say is, you know, uh, rules are changing. You deal with it. Your players can complain all they want, but the fact of the matter is everybody's on the same playing field uh, and has to abide by the same rules. So um, those violations are down and they'll drop. You'll see very few guys uh, doing that. Uh, the, the major, the four major notes, uh, are mace all almost around the pitch clock. All of them. The clock uh, start will be delayed after a brush back pitch or a big swing from a batter when the batter's equipment is displaced or the batter is splayed out on the ground. Now, the this is going to be you're going to have some argument challenges and ejections over this one because this is going to be this is all interpretive, right? Uh, a big swing. I you know that that if that's the case, then I maybe intensely fall down a time or two. Um, as a hitter to get myself uh, some rest. Uh, the clock will start. The clock start will be delayed when the pitcher has to leave the mound to field the ball or back up a play. And the play ends with him off the mound. Um, if I'm a pitcher worried about the pitch clock, I leave the circle of the mound every pitch now um, react to a potential swing or whatever. Uh, uh, leniency for catchers who end a half inning within a bat or on base when the previous inning ends, they will always be allowed to catch one pitch before the next inning begins. Uh, yeah. So I don't, um, I get it as a pitcher, I get my eight warmups. And if, if that becomes a problem, then I'm, I might be getting a jet. My eight warmups are part of my routine, very specific, uh, very methodic. Um, so I'm getting my eight warmups and then, but I, I understand that one too. That's to get the catchers back out in the game, but it's also to give them a chance. Um, hit, hitters still get one timeout per at bat going forward. The batter may call time back in no, no matter where they are. Previously, they had to be in the box and ready when they called time back in pitchers were holding the ball a long time. And this stops that. Yeah. Um, again, I we'll, we'll see the tweaks. We'll probably see some tweaks. We might see, you know, I, I don't assume, uh, we'll do anything on the fly. Uh, you might see a, another adjustment period at the All-Star break, but probably 
that's it as the season goes on, which leads me to the last thing. Um, Bill, I'm just going to let you, I can't do this without laughing. So I'm going to let you do it. Uh, explain this, this last piece. And this is real. This is not a Babylon B headline or it's not April 1st. So Bill, go ahead. No, Rob Manfred has said they're going to have higher scrutiny on the bat boys and girls. And if they're not being expeditious with getting the the bats and the boxes clear, they're going to put them under review and they could get fired because they aren't living up to their expectations. Yeah, I'm uh Anybody that knows me knows I don't use the word speechless very often, but that's where I'm at with that one. That's, I mean, listen, you're in a league that's allowed CB Buckner to umpire and, and, and Greg Gibson to umpire over multiple years. And you're going to scrutinize the bat boys and the bat girls. I mean, it, again, I get the intent, the intent it's happened, right? I mean, they, they, they shaved what 30 minutes off the game time. They got it to two and a half hours for most on average. We'll see what happens during the regular season. But all right, take a breath and relax now. You know, now you're talking about seconds. Uh, and, and you know, uh, bad boys and bad girls for the most part are, there are some, uh, and that's kind of funny because there are some clubs that do like a guest bat boy or guest bad girl like program. <laughs> so, uh, wow, that will be a traumatic life event for some kid to get fired in the fifth inning of a game that he's won a contest to be the bat boy in. Um, but yeah, with every, with everything baseball does that there is some, some dumb attached to it every now and then, and that's dumb. So, all right. So, you know what, let's move on. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about, uh, WBC injuries and my concern as an owner, but spring training always has its fill. And it's also why two things, number one, never place a prop bet before spring training for any serious money. Cause you have no idea what the roster is going to look like. And number two, Hold your fantasy draft as late as you possibly can. And I'm telling, I, I, I think that's the, the I'm telling the, the masses that already know that. But um, anyway, uh, and this is why. Uh, on Monday, uh, Rice Hoskins, Philly's first baseman, um, suffered uh, almost in baseball one of the worst things you can suffer, which is a non-contact knee injury. Um my understanding of it was uh, he was carted off the field. Uh, and, and, you know, with the exception of LeBron James uh, and maybe Paul Pierce, um, usually when a player gets carted off, it's because they're seriously hurt. Um, and uh, Rob, uh, Philly's manager, Rob Thompson, said that Hoskins was walking around the clubhouse afterwards. But uh, I've known people, including my father, tore an ACL and walked around fine afterwards. When it's a clean tear, as I understand it from people that have done it, uh, once the initial excruciating pain goes away, you're you're fine. Your knee's just incredibly unstable. So I hope he's okay. Uh, my guess would be he tore hopefully only one of them, the ACL, the MCL. The PCL is kind of hard to, to do, but... Um, uh, if that's the case, then the Phillies are going to be dealing with uh, a new first baseman for this season. Um, well, and the Adam sad Wainwright, thing too, but the, yeah, the sad ahead. thing too, he's in his contract. Here. Yeah. He's 30 yeah. years old. And yeah, but you know what? And yes, I, I agree. It's going to cost him if that's the case. Uh, I, you know, obviously I want to see him back on the field, but with medical science today, that's, that's less of a thing. 
than it used to be. I and I I'm I hear you and it, it, I, I said, but you know this is where I think a lot of times too. This is where the intangible stuff comes into play. Is he a good clubhouse guy? Is he a good teammate? I'm assuming by all accounts he's yes to all those things. Um, you don't see players losing as much value being hurt with a torn ACL or as they used to in the past because they come back for the most part, they come back. And a lot of times players come back better because they learn about their body in ways they never did before. Uh, another guy who, who knows his body, uh, Adam Wainwright, uh, strain to groin, uh, weightlifting. Um, here, here's the, here's the five words you, 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 you're concerned with. He will rest the injury, uh, and be reevaluated next week. I take that to mean he won't throw. Um, and this late in camp, not throwing for a week is a huge deal. Um, so stay, pay attention because this is uh, a guy who's on his last season. Uh, I want to see him go out like a Miguel Cabrera. I want to see him go out uh, with his head up. Um, Braves closer, uh, uh, Rizel Iglesias. Uh, and this is these three words should terrify you as a fan. Low-grade, oh, four words. Look, I almost pulled a Biden. Low-grade shoulder inflammation which means the MRI was inconclusive and they couldn't find anything for the most part. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, even though the imaging stuff has gotten better, it's literally impossible to tell uh, significant, uh, uh, marginal structural damage in his shoulder through an MRI. A gadolinium, which is where they inject the ink, is sometimes better, but until they open you, they can't know. And it's one of the reasons why you're going to be hearing a new term in, in some way in the near future uh, it's going to be almost uh, exploratory arthroscopic surgery where they're going to be able to go in and explore without being invasive and evaluate and diagnose for 100%, um, which will be a seismic change in the sports landscape. But he's uh, apparently there's no structural damage. He's going to be shut down for seven days. Um, he'll start the season on the aisle. So if you're, if you're looking at drafting him, uh, expect him to be back mid-may probably the earliest um maybe first of may would be incredibly optimistic if everything goes perfect um but i would also uh steer clear uh because basically what they're saying is he inflamed his shoulder we're going to rest it we're not going to do anything about the preconditions that cause the shoulder inflammation because they can't uh and we're going to throw him back out there uh, after he rests and those never work so um I don't know how to take this. So the Yanks have been uh, have been hit by injuries, um, obviously. Uh, Carlos Rodon on uh, Thursday threw 15 fastballs in the bullpen. And I think back to the times that I was hurt and coming back off of surgery or coming back off of an injury. Um, I don't ever remember throwing a bullpen. And, and uh, Bill, I don't know how you guys look at this as fans, but – 15 fastballs. Okay. I don't know what that means. Um, to me, I kind of looked at it as at least he's now on a mound and throwing. Yeah. Which is the beginning of what you have explained right. is the beginning of a long stretch. Right. But why only 15? I mean, I, he said he felt good afterwards, which means nothing to me. Um, or, or and, and this is where I would be as a Yankee fan in my head. He felt so good that there was no reason to push it today. Let's start getting ready to pitch again. That would be the optimistic approach that I would want to, to, to have be the result of that 15 
Uh, there is no timetable in his return, which the, I, I got to tell you, man, if I, Bill, if I, if I manage a baseball team, I would be Bill Belichick. I would, I wouldn't tell anybody anything more than they needed to know. Carlos suffered an upper body injury and we're dealing with these day to day. Number one, these are alpha males and they're going to be back a week earlier than anybody thinks they should be for the most part. Uh, or that maybe physically they should be. They're going to push in every possible way. When you when when you set timetables, you the only thing you're doing, the only thing it ever did for me was give me a, a challenge and to push myself. And that's a good thing. And and in some cases, depending on the injury, it's not because the guys from I, I know uh, guys from Tommy John. There's a there's a cycle in recovering from Tommy John. You get to this initial phase and it's pretty early on where, oh my God, I feel hundred percent and you're throwing and it's like, everything's great. And that's usually like six to 12 months from when you're actually going to pitch again, because you go through another down period of stress. I don't know what exactly it is, but uh, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to rehabbing getting better, but, but 15 fastballs, no idea if he was max effort, no idea if he was just going through the motions going to assume he was throwing and and you know because he didn't just throw 15 fastballs he had to play catch he had to play long toss he had to do all things that come with throwing a bullpen so whenever you see a guy throw a bullpen know that there's an extensive amount of throwing coming before the bullpen so it's not just 15 fastballs um said he felt good so we'll deal with that and uh i think now it's it's time for us to get to some questions all right yeah some questions all right so first i like this first one by the way from charlie is how do pitchers deal with different umpires that have different strike zones? Uh, good question, Charlie. Um, it is dramatically different today than it was when I played for a lot of different reasons. Number one is that uh, everybody's the, the, the system that they're using to grade umpires is trying to box literally and figuratively box everybody into the same strike zone. Um, and so what you have is you have these scores uh, umpires missing pitches or X, Y, and Z. Uh, one of the, one of the, I'll, I'll give you a little insight into the grading system and why it's flawed. Um, umpires are graded <clears throat> by how many balls go in the electronic strike zone uh, that they call strikes, how many strikes they call strikes and how many balls they call balls and then vice versa for their mistakes. The problem is when Quest Tech started the, the, the science behind this, this strike zone, Umpires were not graded on the outer two inches of the plate and two inches off the plate. Those four inches, you you didn't get called on those um, because they were, you know, that was the hardest pitches to call. My response was, that's where I have to live as a pitcher. That's where I'm trying to throw every one of my fastballs in that four inch little place. And so I need to work. And, and, and it takes time. You develop a reputation uh of being a strike thrower umpires you know I, I i got along with umpires to the point where i knew when i had a guy back there that wanted me because he knew i worked fast he knew i threw strikes and so i was going to get and, and as i got older i got marginal calls i got the if calls um probably more than i didn't because i was always around the plate um but it's a different thing now it's much different what i would tell you is for the most part, and there are there are if you're a better, there are pages out there with Vegas casinos that have every statistic you can ever imagine for an umpire. And I knew that back in like 1997. I was uh, as we got as I got older, I found pages like that. But umpires will, are human; they're going to have a preference. Uh, for the most part, they'll have a preferred pointer. 
I knew what that was. Um, and so in my mind, if I'm facing uh, uh, somebody in the eighth inning of a game and Hunter Wendell stats behind the plate, and I know that he doesn't call the ball in very well, then I'm, I, it's my fault for trying to go in there to put a, to throw a put away pitch because that's a, a low odds pitch to get called. Um, so I'm going to have to go after a swing and strike probably more than a, than a, than a called strike if I'm going in. Um, but that that's part of the game. And that actually, it, 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 it ties into the last question of the day, Bill, um, which we'll get to after the second question, but, but, but this, this whole thing ties into the last question we're going to well, take. Let's go right to the last one. Then. Okay. What is the most underrated aspect of pitching that most fans don't know about? The amount of preparation involved for a good pitcher in the cycle, the, the mental game. Um, and I, I, I use a quick uh, uh, observation. When I was, uh, as I developed and became a veteran pitcher, one of the things I used to do is talk with young pitchers and, and, and uh, un trying to understand, because I understood at some point later in my career, how far away from uh, where I am, where I was when I came to the big leagues mentally, the things I didn't know could have filled the grand Canyon. And I felt like that is up until the day I retired, but I would talk to pitchers, young pitchers. And I would say, you know, okay, you know, in your next start, I want you to think through for me and, and keep it in your mind. I want you to, I want, after your next start, I want you to write down your pre-pitched thoughts. And it never failed. Uh, the guys that I did it with, you know, you'd get a, a, a sheet. Of, I'd ask them to literally write it down. It'd be five or 10 things. Top 10 would be a lot for a young pitcher. And then I would pull mine out. And mine was this tattered, tattered, worn piece of paper that I had written them down over my career. Mine was 46 items. Uh, and that was my mental checklist. Every at bat could contain five to 46 items that I needed to go through to throw a pitch. And, and, the, and it wasn't to intimidate, it was to show or, or to say I'm how much smarter I am. Cause that wasn't the case. My, my, the, the, the goal was to, to show a young pitcher, how much is out there that you still don't know. And that to me is, I look at it almost, and, and it's very different, but I, in a, in a talking to Peyton Manning a lot about it, um, I, I understood there's a lot of similarities. The amount of mental work that a professional athlete does is I think in many ways beyond comprehension for, for normal people. Um, I can remember a quick story. I can remember um, I was in the car. My, my second son was young. He was three or four. So this would have been 2002, maybe in Arizona. And I grew up uh, in Phoenix where I was playing for the Diamondbacks. And, and I was actually on a street that I had been on down from the street from my high school. And I was sitting in a red light and my, son looked at me and he said what's on what are you thinking about dad because I was like gazing off and in my head I was going through the fact that next year when I face Vladimir Guerrero I need to just stay hard in and and the only the thing that made it ironic was that this was New Year's Eve and that was what was going through my mind and that, that doesn't stop for good players the, the season you, you take a two-week break maybe mentally physically but the mental thing for me was ongoing every day. There was always something and, and, and video and preparation. I look at like an NFL quarterback, the amount of time they spend in the film room is would, would knock a buzzard off a crap wagon. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's way more time than they spend on the field. 
uh, for the good ones anyway, the great ones. And if you don't spend that time, it's very hard to be good or great at anything. So, Well, coming from a fan, Kurt, that's incredible insight. And we love hearing that stuff. So that'll do it this week. We know for a fact that Dave Hollins is going to join us on, on the next one, which yes. I'm really looking forward to. And uh, we will see you when that happens. Have a good one, Billy. Talk to you. Oh, wait. No, I forgot. We forgot. Outkick.com, guys. Go to outkick.com. There'll usually be a link up on the front page of the Outkick page that has a, a link to the show that it drops. Um, but you can also go up to the top right-hand corner, click on shows and all the podcasts. There's some great ones on Outkick. You can, from Outkick 360, Clay Travis, Tommy Laren, all of them. Uh, you'll find the Kirchner Link Baseball Show on that link as well. Spread the word and send in your questions.